Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Y'all grab your Bibles. I'm going to try to be cognizant of the time. But listen, this is what a church community is about, man. Goodness gracious. If you're just looking for a church, you can click it off for an hour and just go home. This is not your church. I'll make some recommendations. If you're looking for one of those, but this is not it. Um, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. I'm kind of kidding, but I'm really kind of not kidding. Um, Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do Ben Thompson right he's got it Uh, don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life instead be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ Lord would you add your blessing and understanding Uh, to the reading and the preaching of your word. Lord, give us the courage, not just to hear it and understand it, but to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're coming to a close, uh, the last couple of messages in this series, at least least until after Easter. Uh, CL168, Covenant Life 168. It's about becoming a church that leverages every hour of every week. There are 168 hours a week. We're leveraging every hour of every week to move the needle on the kingdom of God, Um, not just the one hour a week that we're together uh, having church. We're trying to figure out how we go be the church every hour of every week. And we know this foundational scripture that we just read tells us that that we have something that God wants us to do. Every one of us has something that God wants us to do and that we all have to live uh, thoughtfully and wisely that we all have to maximize every opportunity uh, that we have for the kingdom of God and that we have to come together for corporate worship and have private personal connection with the Lord ourselves. Now today I want to explore what this looks like on a daily basis. Because it's great if you have all the context, you have all the content, you have all the concepts, but we'll never be 168-hour-a-week church if we don't understand how to put these principles into practice. And so let's look at some real life people who made a real difference in the kingdom of God just by how they lived their lives. And I think by doing that, we're going to find some common threads in their stories that'll help us know what we can start doing today. Today. Don't, you don't have to wait till tomorrow morning. You can start doing this today. So today's message is the 168 life, the 168 life. Let's start with a man named Daniel. The story of Daniel's life can be found in the book that bears his name. And although he is known as a prophet, and he certainly was a prophet, that was not his vocation. 
He wasn't paid as a prophet. In today's terms, we'd say he wasn't in full-time ministry. He had a job. Now, Daniel was maybe the most influential marketplace leader in, the, in, the, in all of Scripture. His job was in the government. He served four different kings uh, over the decades of turmoil and political intrigue uh, in, in the kingdoms that he served. And he served Nebuchadnezzar. And, and Belshazzar, both of those were Babylonian rulers. He served Darius the Mede, and he served Cyrus the Persian. This wasn't just like serving like both Republicans and Democrats. This was whole-scale regime change. One empire conquering another empire, and somehow Daniel made the transition through all of those kings and kingdoms. I want to read to you Daniel 5. Daniel 5, 29, I want to read you just a little uh, passage about his life. Then at Belshazzar's, this is his second king, uh, Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, a gold chain hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Third highest ruler in the kingdom. A little Jewish boy in a Gentile kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. Darius the Mede took over the kingdom that makes it sound real clean and real easy. It was not quite that pretty. But Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Now let's look at the next, uh, the next chapter. It tells the continuation of the story. So Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. He appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. He was good at his job. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire stinking empire. The word stinking is not actually in the text. How was he able to have such influence over the king for so long. And not just one king, over and over and over. And not just political influence. These things, uh, these kings knew Daniel very well. And they knew he was devoted to God. They knew where his ability came from. And, And several of them would issue proclamations to the entire kingdom ordering people to give praise and honor to Daniel's God. They didn't even believe in it yet. But they said, Daniel's God is the real deal, and you need to honor and respect Daniel's God. That's a one, six, eight life, y'all. He's just doing his job, and people are noticing and giving God the glory, right? Let's talk about a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is also a person who worked in the government, but this was decidedly less glamorous. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was a Roman army officer. Uh, You can read about him in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius' devotion to God uh, characterized his life to such a degree that his kids uh, and and his family members, his friends, even the household servants that he had uh, worshipped God too. Cornelius was told by God in a dream to send for Peter, uh, who was in Joppa, uh, and have Peter come to the Greek province of Macedonia and preach the gospel to them. And so Cornelius did what he was told. God uh, sent Peter, and, uh, and they became, Cornelius and his household became the first Gentiles to hear the gospel. They were saved, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, all in that same meeting in Acts chapter 10. 
Because of Cornelius, the early church realized, Peter uh, among them, realized that it was God's will to preach the gospel of Jesus to everybody, not just to Jews. And so you could say that because of Cornelius' 168 life, because he was devoted to God and his kingdom every hour of every day of his life, he gets part of the reward for every non-Jewish person who's ever been saved, which is almost all of us in the room, right? And our families and our friends. So that is an amazing 168 life. Let's talk about a couple named Aquila and Priscilla, uh, named throughout the New Testament. They were, they were, close, uh, they were close companions and associates of, of the Apostle Paul. He met them on the job. They were tent makers by trade. And because of their devotion and their knowledge, eventually they were able to travel with Paul on his missionary journeys. But listen, they didn't go to seminary. These, they didn't have a college degree. These, these folks made tents for a living. They specifically got the credit for training a young, passionate, talented, gifted Jewish man uh, named Apollos. Apollos. He, he didn't have the full revelation of Jesus as Messiah yet. He didn't understand everything, but what he did understand, he was passionate about. And so they pulled him aside, and they taught him, <clears throat> they taught him in their own home. As a matter of fact, by the way, her name is listed first. It, it appears most scholars believe Priscilla was the primary instructor in their home. She taught him the ways of God. And because these, these tent makers so skillfully and respectfully trained Apollos, he was able to go and win many, many, many souls for Christ. I want to show you this. Acts chapter 18, 26 through 28. When Priscilla, you see she's listed first, Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue. They took him aside. They explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. So they wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. And when he arrived, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Apollos became such a prominent leader in the early church that uh, he was hit, the impact of his ministry was compared to that of Paul's. But it started with a couple of tent makers who decided to help a brother out. Right? That's the impact of a one six eight life. One more. You're going to love this one even more. Her name is Tabitha. Tabitha. Now, this one is for all of you who have already decided, who have already started making excuses that you can't teach like Priscilla and Aquila or that you don't have a position of influence like a Roman army officer or like a high-level advisor like Daniel. I want to read this passage to you, Acts chapter 9, 36 through 39. Acts chapter 9. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha. Her Greek name was Dorcas, which is why we all call her Tabitha. Some of y'all spoke Greek a lot when you were a kid, didn't you? Didn't even know it. Um, she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Paul was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, he, they took him upstairs to the room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping, and showing him the coats 
and the other clothes that Dorcas had made, Tabitha had made for them. She was kind, and she helped people that she knew needed help. We can all do that, can't we? Can't we? <laughs> can't, can't we be nice to people? Can't we help people? You see the impact she made, though? All those people that she had helped, all those people that she was nice to, all those people who she made stuff for in their time of need, those were the people who sent to the next town to get Peter to come and pray for her. Those were the people who showed up mourning her loss when they thought she was gone. And they were holding in their hands the things that she had made for them and given to them over their lives and in their time of need. And I promise you, they were thinking back to all the times that she just had a kind word for them and that she just said something nice and just and didn't make them feel like, like losers for needing a little bit of help sometimes. Listen, the results of a 168 life are very, very diverse. Your life's not going to look like my life. And my life's not going to look like one of your lives. You don't always have to preach a message or sing a song or teach a lesson. Kindness is, is what she was known for. Isn't kindness one of the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5? That's rooted and grounded in love. Generosity is what she was known for. Isn't that one of the gifts of the Spirit in Romans chapter 12? You don't need a diploma. You don't need a title. You don't need a position to be nice to people and help people in need. And yet, she's listed in the word because of what she did in people's lives. Four very different people. Four very different stories. But four very influential, fruitful, productive people for the kingdom of God. Profiled in the Bible for a reason. And there's a ton more. Listen, it's time for all of us to drop the excuses. We have to maximize every opportunity for the kingdom of God. God has something for every one of us, you and me, something for every one of us to do. There, these are just four examples of how you can do it. God has a way that he tailor-made just for you. He gave you a set of gifts, a set of skills, a, a, a circle of influence that nobody else in the world has but you. No more excuses. Eternity is on the line for people. We have to be a 168-hour-a-week church. You say, John, how are you going to keep this church open every hour of every week? I'm not the church isn't the building. The church is the people. Anywhere any of us go, covenant life is there because we are the church. Every hour of every week. The question is, are we being the church? Or are we just using all of our time waiting for that one hour a week when we get to have church? So, what do these four have in common? What, what does a 168-hour-a-week life look like in the real world? Well, first of all, it's a purposeful life. It's a purposeful life. A life that makes a difference, 168 hours a week, is a purposeful life. Did you know that nothing important happens accidentally? I guess you didn't. Nothing important happens accidentally. 
The, the, the important stuff, the stuff that really lasts, the stuff that really makes a difference, this, that stuff gets done on purpose. You're never going to free fall your way into significance. You're never going to wake up one day without a plan, and when you lay your head at night, down at that night, go, you know what, I accomplished every one of my most important tasks. I never got distracted by anything. Everything that should have got done did get done. I didn't have a plan in the world. That never happens. The important stuff gets done on purpose. And it's not just in the big decisions. as well. It's uh, the small, everyday decisions, too. Tabitha made a decision to give her time and resources to making clothes for people who didn't have any. And it probably wasn't some earth-shattering moment where God told her this was her plan for her life. It's probably that she saw somebody in need and went, well, I got some extra cloth back at the house. I can go take care of this. See, it's one thing, the book of James says, it's one thing to, to see a need and say, I'm going to pray for you. And it's a whole other thing to see a need and then go do something about it. Why, why just pray for the person when you can be the answer to the prayer? She could, she could have sold clothes. She clearly had skills. She could have sold those clothes and made some money. She could have spent, or she could have just ignored the need and spent all of her money on herself. She chose a kingdom purpose. She chose to be kind to people on purpose. Listen, kindness is a decision. It's a decision you make before you get into the situation with that individual. You're like, John, now that person, they just didn't, they didn't earn any kindness you make that decision before you talk to that person. You choose to be kind regardless of that person's disposition. You don't give them what they earned because God didn't give you what you earned. Amen. Being kind is not a reflection of the other person's character. It's a reflection of yours. So you don't need permission from anybody to be kind. Amen. You see how that works? It's a decision. It's, it's on purpose. So when you wake up in the morning and you, you recognize, you might even confess out loud. You're like, John, what's a one, six, eight life look like? And when you get up in the morning, you might even say this out loud. There are kingdom purposes all around me today. There's going to be kingdom purposes everywhere today. God, I'm deciding now that if you'll show them to me, I'll do them. You show them to me, I'll do them. We might be riding through a village where it looks like only three people live, but we're going to get out and invite them three people to the park, right? There's going to be kingdom purposes everywhere. And I'm just telling you now, I'm saying yes before you tell me what it is. You show and I'll go. How about that? You talk about a transforming prayer. Some of y'all are like, no, I'm not praying that. At some point, when you understand the importance of the kingdom, when you understand the, the, the power of surrender, that's what you get yourself to. But listen, start. Start one prayer at a time. Pray your safe prayer first. If that felt dangerous, pray the safe prayer first and see what God leads you to. So one, six, eight, life. Listen, and guess what? That's exactly what Jesus taught us to do. And you all know this. You just may not have, you may not have understood it. We, we call it the Lord's Prayer. The Catholics call it the Our Father. Jesus called it how to pray. You know what I'm talking about? What'd he say? Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed or holy is your name. Then what did he say? He got right to the point. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. It's been right here the whole time. That's exactly what he's talking about. Jesus taught us to pray, God, you've got kingdom purposes everywhere. Let them come to this earth through me. A 168 prayer for a 168 life. Listen, what would happen if that other prayer felt a little too dangerous for you? What would happen if you pray the Lord's Prayer every morning? Knowing full well what you were praying. And when you get to this part about your kingdom come and your will be done, take it personally. If we're going to live a 168 life, it's going to start with a daily decision to be open to the kingdom purposes that are all around us. You, you choose to live a purposeful life. So here's the second thing. If you're going to be a 168, live a 168 life, that life is a prayerful life. It's a prayerful life. Remember the first message of the year in, in 2022? Lord, it feels like it's been a, 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 a hundred years ago already. It's what I said the Lord wanted the, for the church and, and, and for my life. Pray first. Y'all remember that? Pray first. Listen, there's no way we can live a life that's even pleasing to the king, much less effective for the kingdom, if we don't prioritize prayer. We have to pray. Look at what the word said about Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10, this was our introduction to Cornelius. Uh, Acts 10, the first couple of verses. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor, and he prayed regularly to God. The man knew how to pray. He made it a priority. It's part of how he lived. Are, are, are we people of prayer? Would people, would people see our lives and say, man, that's a, that's a man of prayer right there. That's a woman of prayer right there. It's a decision. You're never just going to magically wake up with extra time when you can't think of anything else to do but pray. Right? That's just not going to happen. You pray on purpose. You schedule it if you have to. You prioritize it. It's worth saying no to something else to have time to pray. You know how our opening passage said that God has something for each of us to do? How are we going to know what that is if we don't take the time to ask him? How are we going to get empowered by the Holy Spirit if we don't pray and ask? How are we going to get washed and mended for ministry if we don't ask? Everything that you need to be effective in the kingdom of God comes through prayer. That's why the whole thy kingdom come thing is presented in the context in the terms of a prayer. You can't live a purposeful life without also living a prayerful life because the prayer is what gives you the purpose, they go hand in hand. Look at, look at the life of Daniel. You may remember uh, hearing Daniel's name associated with being in a lion's den. He got thrown in a literal cave, sealed, uh, and inside was a bunch of hungry lions. You know why he got thrown in there? Because they passed a law that said for the next 30 days, you couldn't pray to any other god but the king, Darius. The, and, and so look at what Daniel did. Daniel chapter 6 Verse 10, here's his decision-making process. When Daniel learned the law had been signed, he went home. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open 
towards Jerusalem, I would have at least closed the window. He prayed three times a day, just like he'd always done, giving thanks to God. Daniel was so convinced of the power of prayer that he decided he'd rather die than live without prayer for 30 days. How strong, how strong do you think a marriage or even a relationship with your best friend? I want you to think of those, those most important relationships in your life. How strong do you think those relationships would be if you didn't talk for 30 days? You'd lose the connection to some extent, right? Or, or what if you had a 30-minute conversation with that person at 6 o'clock in the morning and then you didn't talk to them again until 6 o'clock the next morning? It'd be weird, wouldn't it? It'd be odd. I've found that in order to maintain a connection with somebody, you need almost constant communication. A quick text, phone call, share a joke, tell them you're thinking of them, talk about what groceries you need to pick up, on the something, just stay connected. At its essence, prayer is connection. It's connection to God. I'm convinced that an effective prayer life is not just about spending 30 minutes or an hour or two hours in prayer. That's great, and it's powerful, and you should as regularly as you can. But don't fall into shame and condemnation if you haven't done that. Just pick up where you left off because he's waiting to hear from you. A 168 life is going to require those short, powerful prayers too, not just the long ones. Some midday text messages to God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some pray without ceasing kind of prayers. Some prayers of surrender to remind yourself of who's God. Prayer, prayers that help you recognize your need for his spirit and his power. Some, some okay God kind of prayers. And I call them okay God prayers. Okay God, I feel you nudging me, so help me know what I'm supposed to say. Okay, God, I have to make a decision right now, like I can't spend a week fasting and praying. I got to know right now, so guide my mind to what pleases you. Okay, God, order my steps today. Okay, God, I messed up. I repent. Now help me go apologize to that person. Okay, God, this person is really angry with me. What's really going on with them? because I want to minister to them and not just respond to the anger. Some every day, all day, in the moment kinds of prayers that God will use for his glory and for his honor. If you want a 168 life, you've got to have a purposeful life. You have to have a prayerful life. And the last thing is you have to have a patient life. Ugh. A patient life. Life. Over and over again, the Bible likens our spiritual life to farming. Farming. Lots of talk of seeds and harvests and, and weeds and fruit and all that kind of stuff. Well, well, guess what you need if you're going to be a good farmer? Patience. Patience. You don't plant today and then go pick your tomatoes tomorrow. Right? We live in a microwave generation, don't we? We, a streaming generation, an individualized, personalized, instant gratification generation. You can get what you want, when you want it, as much as you want of it. 
unless, you know, except for COVID, and then you can't find anything anywhere. But you get what I mean. Like, the post office will bring it to your house. FedEx will leave it at your door with your dog. Amazon will bring it in and help you try it on and see if you still like it. <laughs> we don't need patience anymore. We got free next day shipping. You know what a seed thinks about our generation? Nothing. Seeds don't think. Seeds just lay there until it's time for them to grow. Right? They ain't worrying about nothing. Just chilling, being a seed. Just laying there for the soil to warm up enough to sprout and do what it's going to do. When the time is right, when the conditions are right, then they start growing. And ain't nothing going to make them grow any faster. You can be as impatient as you want to. You can rant and rave. You can cry and holler. You can stomp on the ground. Seed just going to lay there until it's time to grow and not a moment sooner. See, the hard part about living a 168 life is that you might not see the results immediately. You might not see some of them for years. And you might not see some of it till eternity. Cornelius was, was faithful and prayerful for decades in order to have the influence that he had over his family and friends. Tabitha did one kind thing after another. Maybe she had to give up some money. Maybe she had to sell something or give up something she was planning to buy for herself before she had uh, enough money to buy the material she needed to sew another coat for somebody in need. Sometimes people in need are so overwhelmed by the need just to survive, they forget to even say thank you. She might have sacrificed something that was important to her and didn't even get a thank you for the coat that she gave. But it was a seed. You just, you, it's what's right, so you do it, and then you just go do the next right thing. Do you understand? It, we think our work for the kingdom is going to be a lightning bolt that sets the world on fire. More often than not, it's more akin to a snowball. It starts really small, almost imperceptible, but it grows and it gathers momentum over time as it tumbles through your life until it becomes this irresistible force to be reckoned with. And when it's rooted and grounded in love and when it's focused on building others up, there is nothing so small that it can't add up to a huge kingdom purpose. More than what they did the biggest factor in the influence of Daniel and Cornelius and Tabitha and Priscilla and Aquila was just who they were. Just who they were. They just being themselves. Just loving God and loving others. And those seeds, those are the seeds that take the longest. But they're also the most powerful. Because once they start to grow, they start to multiply exponentially. When a seed-bearing plant bears more seed-bearing plants, then there's no end to that chain of blessing that it becomes. The fruit of the most productive trees are both feed and seed, right? Because some of the fruit grows and people eat them, they consume them immediately because they need it. But some of that fruit, some of that fruit doesn't necessarily get eaten by somebody, but the seeds that are inside get sown somewhere else. 
And the word says, interestingly, interestingly enough, it, it's, it's about Priscilla and Aquila and what they did. But the word says eventually, if we let it do its work, that brings forth fruit as well. Here's our last scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3. And when uh, one of you, Paul says, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another one says, I'm a follower of Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We're just servants of God through whom you believe the good news. Each one of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your heart. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. And the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their hard work because uh, we are both God's worker and you are God's field. Whether, whether you're planting, whether you're watering, you're just going to have to be patient and let God do what only God can do. But I want you to know this. He rewards those who work in his field. And his field is everywhere you go. So this week, say a little prayer. This week, give a little encouragement to somebody who needs it. Show a little kindness. Give a little money. Take a little time with somebody. Be a little different. Make a little difference in somebody's life. Soon you're going to realize what the old song says, that little is much when God's in it. If God can make everything out of nothing, surely he can take a little bit and make a whole lot out of it. Amen? Why don't y'all stand with me? I don't necessarily sense the, the, the drawing to the altar this morning. I'd like us to pray together because this is, a, this is one of those messages that the, um, where the rubber meets the road is not going to be in the church. It's going to be when you get to the restaurant today. It's going to be when you get to the ball field Tuesday night and the umpire calls a third strike and you disagree passionately. It's going to be when the dude cuts you off in Monday morning traffic. It's going to be when that person who always gets on your nerves starts to get on your nerves again, but the Holy Spirit says, eh. That's when, this, that's when your response to this message is really going to show itself. So I just want us to pray. And I'm praying for myself too. Okay? And then we're going, we're going to bring up the, the folks that are joining the church today. We'll be dismissed together. Father, we, uh, we recognize that what you said on this earth, the only... The only prayer request I remember you making when you were on the earth is you said for us to pray that God would send laborers into the field because the harvest is white. The fields are all over the place. The people who need to know you are all over the place, but we just run into them all the time. Lord, help us to start being aware of it. Help us to start looking around and seeing the kingdom opportunities that are around us and listen for, for your voice to tell us what to say and what to do. Or in some cases, what not to say and what not to do. Lord, just help us to be a 168 kind of people. Lord, we live a life that's on purpose, that we take enough time to pray in every moment of every day when we can to just check in with you and see what's going on around us that we don't see. 
And Lord, help us to just be faithful and patient to continue to do what you've called us to do over and over and over again. Because, Lord, we want to see those people saved. We want to see the seeds that have sown, been sown and watered bring forth an increase. So, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom today. If there's someone here today that's not saved, there's someone here today that does not know the Lord, I pray that they find me, that they find well, a member of the staff, they find a, one of the elders and ask how to become a follower of Jesus. That's the most important thing, and it's why we're all here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.